I blame the pandemic, the 10% rule. That just went out the window. Because I'm a narcissist, I'm going to insert myself in this conversation now. I understand that how's it going actually has a different answer that there's actually <laughs> something wrong. So why don't we talk a little bit about it? So, as you know, I've been injured for a while. I blame the pandemic shutdown because, as with most people in our bubble, we took that free time to go out and do more and push. Despite everything that I've written about advancing slowly and read about the 10% rule, that just just went out the window. I didn't even think about it. For the little people. It, yeah, it's for everyone else, right? It's not, it, right, it's not right, for me. Right. I'm sure my bone density is just fine. Um, I take my advice. I'm not using it. Well, it's it a... turns out that my bone density, I guess, wasn't fine. It's uh, not actually uh -huh. abnormal, no. However, it couldn't adapt to the pace and distance that I chose to run. And I think I've shared this graph with you of my activity through April. And I started to develop this pain in my heel, and I blamed it on soft tissue, whatever, and plantar fasciitis, and I kept running. And then I was getting slower, and I couldn't go as long. And I kept t telling myself that it was nothing serious. Uh, and then I decided to go on a mountain run, uh, a number of miles long. It was a loop. And halfway through, I stepped on something. I felt a crack, and that was it my calcaneus stress fracture occurred limped out of the wood why don't you sorry why don't you explain what that is exactly so the calcaneus is is the heel and a stress fracture you know our bones will change in thickness and density and hardness based upon how much stress we put on them. So if we actually put you in a cast and put you on crutches, your bone density is going to become extremely low. Same thing happens to astronauts. It's a different bone right. density change than we see in the elderly in that it's easily reversible. And in the case of a runner or an athlete, your bone density will change over time if you give the body a chance to adapt. And the yeah. problem, the reason why the 10% rule exists, which means you shouldn't change your pace, your distance, etc., more than 10% per week, is because if you do exceed that over time, you run a high risk of developing a stress fracture or stress injury. And which is what we've run into here. And so the interesting, well, one of the interesting <laughs> things for me is you actually felt it. Which I think is unusual, I, right? With a stress fracture, people often don't feel a crack. It's more like, oh, there's a... I, I heard it described to me once as it's like a crescendo of pain that you feel as you run on particular runs rather than being something that gets better. It gets worse on each run, and that is often one of the many signs that it's a stress right, fracture. Right, right, right. So like many events that we run over in our mind uh, and that game that we played at kindergarten when you told the first kid in line that they bought a, a banana and two sets of strawberries and some ice cream and it came <laughs> out something else at the end of the line, uh, we, uh, our memory of these events changed changes so it was either a stick that i stepped on that cracked or but i absolutely felt something and it what it was hmm. was a stress fracture turning into basically a real fracture it wasn't displaced it didn't move it needed an mri to show it but nonetheless it was there and so you now are all 
are all undisplaced? This is a stupid question, but I mean, and I'll ask it anyways. It's my one of my competencies. Is is uh, not all undisplaced fractures are stress fractures? A stress fracture is a very sort of idiosyncratic and specific form of of non fracture where it's might not even be a through fracture, right? It might be a partially through the plane. Correct. They're very different types and degrees of stress fractures. They can be stress reactions where you just have edema or inflammation inside the bone. Uh, so the bone is made of little spicules on the inside we call trabeculae or microtrabeculae. And you could, which is sort of like a lattice work or a scaffolding. And you could uh, literally break one spicule or trabeculae right. and it'll cause a lot of edema. So you have a very mild stress fracture that can propagate if you don't stop and go through uh, a quarter of the bone, half the bone, three quarters, and then eventually it can go all, all the way through. Right, right. So it's it could vary in terms of degrees, but in its extreme form, you can have a stress fracture turn into a full fracture and even in a displaced fracture. Correct. The worst case would be the hip, right? The femoral neck uh, stress fracture. Right. So groin pain and mid-tibial pain when running is a reason to just stop. Don't even push it. Not yeah. even I would do it because that's a stress fracture of the femoral neck, which if it displaces can result in the need for a hip replacement. So it's it's fairly dramatic. Don't go, don't go right, there. Right, 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 right. Yeah, what I found most interesting so, of all of this is I see people with calcaneal stress fractures and treat them all the time. And you come to my office, you get an MRI and we prove it. I'm going to stop you running. I might stick you in one of those big, clunky obnoxious boots which probably cost four dollars from china and they charge you <laughs> 600 for it and i would probably put you on crutches for a few weeks and as we know i didn't do that i immediately adapted my bike shoes so that i could ride my bike so i found this whole situation quite fascinating so let's let's come back to that and we'll talk about what what you've tried, and I'm because I'm a narcissist, I'm going to insert myself into this conversation now because I've I've managed to do almost the exact same thing, except in in Paul fashion, I managed to do something even dumber. So my version of this is I've been doing an incredible number of miles, mostly on trails, and I wore out a pair of shoes, and I like to keep a couple of shoes in rotation, so I added a new shoe to the rotation, which was. I'll name no brands, but it was a, a well-known brand that I've used for years, and they have a new version out. And I thought, oh, I'll try. I'll use that version. I'll buy it in the same size. Well, that's a mistake because often shoe manufacturers change the it's the same size. I'm a eleven and a half or twelve, depending on what brand I'm buying. But in this particular brand, changing shoes actually at the same size turned out to be a slightly different size. And I'm too stubborn to admit that I bought the wrong size. <laughs> Even though it was a half size difference, on a run, I go out for a run in these new shoes. They're very spiffy, and I'm quite pleased with myself, just rocking along. And I'm feeling a little bit of pressure on the front of my right uh, big toe, which is my right foot is slightly larger, maybe a quarter size larger than my left shoe, my left foot, which isn't a big deal if you've got enough extra space in the shoe. But in this case, <laughs> I, I felt it pressing against the end, which was whatever. And I still ran, I don't know, like 10, 12 miles or some stupid thing. And then all the way back down a mountain, come back, and the toe is really sore. And so what I did was this classic compensatory behavior 
where I found that pressure on the toe was really bothering me after that run. So I found myself walking for two days, and this is, I don't think I told you this before, but this is sort of hilarious, <laughs> with li having lifted the, le the right big toe slightly so it didn't make constant contact with the ground. <laughs> now, that, of course, is a ridiculously stupid thing to do because all you're really doing is stretching the tendons and ligaments under your foot, which creates new sources of tension immediately underfoot and all the way back up your Achilles tendon and potentially into your calf, right? Because you're really just doing a perpetual <laughs> sort of uh, plantar fascia stretch all the time, which is not a particularly good idea to do 24-7. And what do you like? I don't know. A couple of days later, I go for a run, and suddenly, for the first time ever, I have this pain immediately in front of the heel underneath the foot, and I think, I think I have something going on here. And I realized... After all, I really do have something going on here. Quite a sharp feeling, almost a tearing sensation. I have plantar fascia problems. <laughs> I've never had this before. And so the feeling that this was exciting went away fairly quickly. Uh, my son has plantar fascia problems, and he's always explaining it to me, and I'm always like, yeah, yeah, well, I don't have that. <laughs> well, I did it to me. <laughs> so I completely did it to me by stubbornly wearing a pair of shoes. You know, the last was slightly lost smaller on this same model of the newer sh of the shoe. And then doing this compensatory behavior, which was lifting the toe so it didn't strike anything because it hurt after having been whammed against the front of my shoe for miles. And that, of course, led to this cascade of problems, not least of which was this plantar fascia problem, which is now almost two and a half, three weeks ago, and I'm still wrestling with. And it all started because I did something ridiculously stupid, which was... I had worn out a pair of shoes, worn out shoes from running so much, and then didn't pay attention that a new shoe was slightly different size than another. This is the end of the free public preview of the Simpla Vita podcast. For the full podcast, including a transcript and show notes, you can upgrade at simplavita.com. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast or materials linked from this podcast is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professionals for any such conditions. We will not respond to requests for medical advice.